Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Coming up on today's episode, we recap the Jets' OT loss in TO plus what to do with Jomo out. And let's LOL at the Kings. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, good to be back at it here after a little bit of time off. Dealing with, I mean, look, everybody on the Jets is out, podcasters are out, injuries and sickness is all over the place. So we're all just, we're trying to get through this day by day, but at least we came back at it here. Uh, Apologies for not getting an episode out earlier this week, but we're good to go here to cap off the week and we'll uh, take stock of everything that took place for the Jets, including that loss to Toronto ahead of the rematch against the Leafs before the All-Star break. Thank God finally gets here. And um, yeah, like we mentioned at the top there, we, we got to talk a little LA Kings. Um, <laughs> we hate to say I told us so, but we told us so. <laughs> so we'll get into all that over the course of the episode here. Uh, doing so once again with me is CJOB's Tyson Rewicki. Tyson, I think we're feeling better. After Monday, is that is that fair to say? That's definitely fair to say. I actually have to take my first sick day ever. Humble brag. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, like, I've, I've never felt that crappy, like, in the face. Yeah. And <laughs> like, it, yeah, it was, oddly enough, it was all in the face. Tyson, <laughs> Tyson was more elephant man than... <laughs> Than human, than you know, mid twenties adult. So he, you made the right choice a thousand percent in in basically, you know, sequestering yourself in the basement. So we appreciate that. By the way, we are doing this live once again here. I mean, Tyson's Tyson's got gigantism or whatever. I got a bunch of stuff going on at the house. So it's just like it's all madness all over the place. Um, would you gonna do a little bit of throwback though to the start of this episode? We'll get into the Jets. And that game in Toronto. Um, but apparently we, we've got some trivia to start this episode off. Yeah, and, and I'm going to tie this trivia in with some uh, with some news that happened in another sport. I brought this up on, uh, on Jets at Noon earlier on Thursday. And I did some digging after Doc Rivers got hired as the Milwaukee Bucks coach. And it got me thinking about, you know, like... Because he, he's known for blowing the most 3-1 leads in NBA history. <laughs> so, for, yeah, unfortunate to be known for. So but. I was thinking, who has the most blown 3-1 leads in NHL history as a coach? 
The record's two. Only two. And only three guys have done that. So three coaches in the NHL history have blown two 3-1 series leads. Yes. I'm going to give you a hint because that it's... Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty vague. One of those coaches is an active coach. That's the first hint. And three of the... T- so three teams between the three coaches... Or t- two, two of the guys have coached the same team. Oh, I'm so lost already. Okay, forget that hint. I yeah. I couldn't I couldn't know where I was going with that, but oh. let's do it's one of them's an active coach. I'll give you the years. How about that? Okay. So the first Hold one, on, no, 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 don't do that. Don't give me the years. One's an active coach, and then the other ones are from like just do decades then. Okay. So one of them has blown he blew both of his leads in the twenty tens. <laughs> the coach that's active blew one lead in twenty twenties. And one in the 2000s. Oh, baby. And then the other one blew both leads in the 90s. Okay, so I feel like the Flyers are going to be involved in this somehow. No. That's nice. They've only blown one 3-1 lead in uh, franchise yeah, history. Yeah, and it was absolutely crippling as a <laughs> 12, 13-year-old when they lost the East Conference Finals to the Devils and Eric Lindros got sent into the Stone Age by Scott Stevens. Um, yeah, yeah I, honestly, not too many names are coming to the top of my head here. Three one. Um, I'll do a Torts. No, Lavi. No, Torts has one in his career, and that's when he took over for the on from the Rangers midway through the season. The, sorry, the Flyers actually have two. They they lost one when Paul Holmgren was the coach in the eighties. Oh God. Um, you know what? I yeah, this is a tough one. Because I can't think, like, I, I feel like there's not too many teams that, like, there's nothing that really comes to mind. I can remember, like, certain 3-1 series leads, but I'm trying to think of, you know, like, a specifically just, like, one, oh, not Bruce. No, okay, Bruce good. only has That would make me sad. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, let me know. Well, it, I'll, we'll see if this gives you a bit of a hint, but the team with the most blown 3-1 leads in history... It's the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, suck it, baby. So that means that the active coach of the Penguins is Mike Sullivan. He blew the one in the 2020s, and then he blew one with the Bruins in 04. Oh, that's what tripped me up then. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I wouldn't have guessed. The other one, the one from the 2010s, Dan Balsma. Wow, <laughs> really? Yeah, he blew, two, what, blew one in 2011 and one in 2014. Jeez. And then the 90s? And then the 90s was Jim Schoenfield. Was that with the Devils? He blew one with the Capitals in 94-95, and then he blew one with the Arizona Coyotes, or sorry, Phoenix Coyotes at the time in 98-99. <sighs> yeah, that's yeah, that that's a pretty good stumper right there. That, that, that would I, be a I tough, did research yeah. on that. I did, like, that was, it was, a, was a deep dive. So I hope everyone enjoyed that and respected that. I bet you nobody enjoyed it, and they're like... <laughs> Well, after... Way to do all that work, Tyson, for three minutes of my life, I'll never get back. I mean, after I absolutely butchered that second hint, I don't I don't blame people. All right. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's that's pretty good. I'm going to I'm gonna do some research throughout the episode, because as much as I, I trust you, I, I also don't totally know if I believe... <laughs> I don't know if I believe that's, like, exactly how it went. But for now, good work. That 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 is a temporary... Good job. It, it can change pretty quickly. Um, let's switch gears then. Thankfully, the Jets have not. 
been a part of that. Well, oh no, they did, didn't they? they Back did, in the nineties, they, they did uh, blow one three one lead. Well, yeah, I, I was gonna say just two point oh. I think we all in Winnipeg remember those damn Oilers. <laughs> oh, why? Why did you do this, Tyson? I hate this trivia. Anyways, no comeback from either side for the Jets last game because it was nil nil throughout 60 minutes so no leads to be blown in that game uh the jets hey positives find a way to get a point but they ultimately lose one nothing to the toronto austin matthews <laughs> i mean look the, the game itself it wasn't an overly enjoyable game it wasn't a you know that that's that's not something that the nhl is going to put on the uh the old marketing reel to, to try to lure in viewers the first period was fun yeah, yeah, that's fair. It was, uh, you know, up and down, fast-paced, solid action. Um, it, it's funny. Can you describe that game and talk about the game without mentioning the word gutsy or resilient by the Winnipeg Jets? I feel like that's what everyone's like, yeah, you know, like, what a performance by them. I'm not saying I disagree with that, but it's like, I, I just feel like that's that's the trending word of the day, is either gutsy or resilient by Winnipeg. I mean, look, we all know the injury situation, and then that gets exacerbated by the fact that Josh Morrissey, unfortunately, only gets seven minutes of ice time and leaves, essentially, for the final two periods in overtime of the game, right? Like, it's so shorthanded. But what's wild to me is I, I don't even think Winnipeg's the story in this. They've been resilient and gutsy and structured all year long. The story of the one thing lost, Tyson, is that the Maple Leafs looked like crap. Yeah. They, I mean... And and clearly Sheldon Keith thought so because it was, hey Top Guns, hope you enjoy the view from the bench on the power play for the next four and a half minutes. <laughs> it was kind of like we're gonna laugh at the Kings in a little bit. You kind of laugh at the Maple Leafs because they they were just so lifeless. There was there was no energy from the Maple Leafs players. There was even less energy. From the funeral chapel crowd that decided to attend that yeah. game, like I don't like, was there mute buttons? Like I, 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 have, I can't. That that might have been the worst atmosphere in any NHL arena I've seen so far this season. The Jets have shown that they're, you know, again, a resilient group that you're going to have to fight for and work against to get a point against them, regardless of who's in the lineup. But I was just watching that game, going, "What in the hell is going on with Toronto? And how on earth can they?" reasonably fix this to the, to the degree that they can win a couple playoff rounds this year. Well, that was that was definitely my main takeaway after watching that game was just the fact that for a team that won that game, you have to be extremely concerned if you're a Maple Leafs fan because that game showed you exactly all the problems that your team has once it comes playoff time. That Jets team, I'm not going to use resilient, but I'm going to use reliable. And they were looking from the guys who were in the lineup and the game against Toronto on Wednesday to be reliable. And that's what a lot of them were. I thought they did a really good job, especially on the on the Maple Leafs power play. <coughs> Excuse me. But especially on the Maple Leafs power play, where they were giving the Leafs a lot of troubles when they were entering the zone, mostly with those back pressuring forwards. And I and there was just no adjustments. There was no pushback from the Leafs. And I think that's a big word to come out of this is that is that there's no pushback from this Maple Leafs core. And we've seen multiple times where Austin Matthews will kind of start a scrum, and then he dips out. 
And it's yeah, that's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. But all in all, with everything that was stacked up against the Jets going into this game, whether it be the Shifley injury, the Velarde injury, Connor's coming back, Ehlers has been a bit banged up, and then Josh Morrissey leaving the game in the first period, like that's about as good as a performance as you can get. Yeah, I mean, look, <laughs> I don't think anybody's going to fault what the Jets did in that game. I mean, they, 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 they played... I mean, it was, I think, maybe a step above what we saw in Boston the other night, although I think the Bruins just played a like an absolute masterclass of a game. The Bruins looked really good in that game against yeah. the Jets earlier in the week. Um, but I mean, I, I think you said, was, was it reliable? Yeah. They've been that consistent all year long. It's just, it's again, with the, this group and where they've jackal and hide it in the past, it's pretty wild to think that, like, reliable or consistent is a legitimate adjective that you can use for the team, but that that's what they've shown so far. So, I mean, yeah, performance-wise as a team, maybe not quite an A-plus because you didn't score a goal, but I think everybody understands, look, it's... It's just, let's get to the All-Star break. I think that's where the Jets are at right now. I don't necessarily blame them for that. I think a lot of fans are in that same boat. Um, and pretty much, I mean, at this point, you have to hope that Hellebuck has a Hellebuckian performance on Saturday. And he helps carry it at two points, and away we go. We have a bit of a, a week or so off, and then it's time for the playoff push. It's time for the push for the division title. With the Avalanche and McKinnon going bonkers all over yeah. the place, right? So, you know... It's just, it's kind of like survival mode for the Jets right now. That's just why, you know, getting that single point, they slowly add up over the course of the year. They could become pretty damn valuable by the time 82 games are up. Well, and sorry, I, I just wanted to add too, like, I, I'd seen that there's a couple, like, there's some concerns about the lack of offense over the last couple stretches of games, but it's just been, they've, most teams have had a stretch like this where they don't score many goals. Like, I just, I just feel like we have this recency bias where it's like, Oh, we're not scoring now. Like it's never going to come back. And I think there's a little bit of like PTSD from last year too. But the process is there. The just the goals aren't coming, and the Jets were getting really lucky with bounces earlier in the year. It's kind of just evening out now, and I I think that's nothing to be too worried about. But if that continues after the All Star break, that's why you have the trade deadline yeah. to go out and add a, a number two center. It's gonna happen. I don't know who it is, but it's. I mean, they're going to get somebody, and I think. I think everybody. I think everybody knows it. I don't think it's you know much of a secret. It's just going to be, and maybe we'll touch a little bit on that uh, to wrap up the episode. I did. I. I did think of somebody else the Jets could target. So we'll talk oh, about that boy. a little bit, and, and just doing some more research. By the way, Tyson, you're lucky because the Jets have actually blown two three-one series leads, but they just switched coaches right before that. Bob Murdoch and then John Paddock. Um, I forgot about the Canucks Jets series back in the early 90s where Jets up... Uh, this might be an all-time 3-1 deficit thing. Um, but the Canucks won game five by six and then the next two by five each. Oh my god. Not even a contest. Yeah, like... Oh, I, it's that, like a comeback, but like, was it really a comeback? They basically did like the Philadelphia Eagles final five games... <laughs> But just combined it into a seven-game series. Nonetheless, let's get to better news. Josh Morrissey might be out for a little bit. <laughs> I'd hope he's alive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll see. Shot block. It's always tough with shot blocks, right? Um, 
you never really know what the extent is. Obviously not great that he didn't come back to the game, but again, All-Star break coming up shortly here. The team's going to be airing on the side of caution. Uh, I mean, what, stomach, ribs? Like, I don't know. So, right? Did some Is it a Blake Wheeler 2.0 which if that's the case which if that's the case god bless you please yeah exactly take as much time as you need that's sweet yeah we we were talking about this at work and i just like i mean it's crazy that it's happening back-to-back seasons with this team i don't can't remember the last time something like that has happened where a player has i mean obviously there's been times where players have taken shots to the nether regions but never one where you hear that extended period of time with a ruptured testicle like i i was that yeah, i just I, I i hear it was patrick thorison for the flyers i hear that and i just want to like retire yeah and i don't it's, play i don't play any sports it's just like i like <laughs> if blake wheeler after that happened said i'm done every everyone would have been like great career hey hey, hey. you you do you what dead. you need to do just to, just try to get through it um but well i mean yeah we'll see what happens i mean obviously best case scenario morrissey's back saturday no big deal. I think even slightly below that best case scenario, he's just good after that. Take the night off and uh, and rest up. Maybe head to Cabo or something. And uh, we'll be good to go after the All-Star break. But I guess the intriguing part and what a lot of the discussion in Winnipeg is right now, Tice, is... Well, well, well. Some interesting fill-in options. And none more so than a certain Finnish blue liner who's gotten a couple of recuperation games under his belt so before we get into what the jets are going to do if morrissey is out we'll just say he's out for this one game saturday and then you know whatever happens after that happens should the jets tap old villy on the back and say hey big training camp here's your shot kid or do they go to a logan stanley or a declan chisholm it's interesting in terms of trying to replace what Morrissey brings and then balancing that with some locker room dynamics as well. But what would you like to see the Jets do if Morrissey's out Saturday? Uh, this is going to make a lot of people angry, but I'm not bringing Billy Hainala up. If he's missing one game, what's the point? And people will say, well, you get him game action. He was told that he'd be on the, on the team come start of the regular season barring injury but I mean he's only played four games in the AHL I just don't see that what so we bring him we rush him in play him top line minutes and then all of a sudden he doesn't have a great game then what then it's like what send him back to the AHL for the rest of the season hey nice one game that you played for us I, I just I, I understand people wanting him to get in the lineup and show what he was showing in the preseason but I think we've there's been times where He's been kind of jerked around enough throughout the years that I think let him get back from injury, let him kind of build some acumen a little bit, build those points, that point total up in the AHL. I believe he has three and four games. Three and five games. Three and five games. Yeah. Um, so Lighten it up. Yeah, can, it's not nothing crazy, <laughs> yeah. but it's also it's somewhat decent production. Just let him be. And I think, too, that you could use this as an opportunity to kind of showcase two guys who have been in and out of the lineup, more so out of the lineup, but you you give them the opportunity that maybe there's a team that's scouting you that night, and they're like, hey, you know what, that Declan Chisholm's actually pretty solid. You don't have to move a younger prospect like Hainala or, 
Salomonson and a trade package when you can move a guy like Declan Chisholm, who really is kind of the odd man out in this situation anyways. You could also highlight Billy Hanela. <laughs> you could also <coughs> give him a bit of an opportunity. You're not, you're not really jerking him around that much because it's like, hey, one game, you know, and maybe you... I don't know. There's a part of me that's like, I, I kind of like the excitement of... You know, you'll see sometimes a team where if they have a guy out with injury on the top line, they'll call up, you know, their number one wing prospect. And let's just put him up there on the top line. You're going to get a game in on the first line with high-skilled players in a role we see you in in the future. Let's see what you can do for that. We don't have to switch up our lineup a whole bunch. It's just going to be a one-night opportunity. And then we'll see where things go from here. Like, I kind of like that. I like the potential of that. Um, I don't I don't, I don't, don't mind that thinking either. I just kind of, for me, it's, I don't know. I just think that there's, I, I don't like the potential outcome if he has a bad game, in my opinion. Yeah, 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 that's fair. Where, yeah, like, again, it's funny because, like, with Vili, Every game seems to be a referendum on his career. Right? Exactly. It's like uh, he lights it up in training camp. Like, oh, we got a top four stud. And he comes, has a bit of an off night. See, I told you, like, bust. They're going to be a third pair. So uh, that, that that part of it's fair. I think, you know, and th- look, teams always have to balance this. You know, the other part of it, too, is you've had Stanley and Chisholm. I mean, what they play, they've played under 10 games, whatever the number actually is. But they've been with the team all year. They get the extra skating after practice. They do the extra conditioning work. They do whatever the team asks them in practice. They've, you know, I assume have been good soldiers all year long. And then there's an opening in the lineup for one night. And it's like, hey, boys, thanks for thanks for being there for us. Um but enjoy the press box again. We're bringing the guy up ahead of you. You know what I mean? Like, like there is that aspect that I think you do. Fans don't weigh in as much, but I know management obviously would in that situation where, like, as as great as it would be to get Billy into the lineup, you do have to kind of reward the guys that have been there with you since since day one this year, and maybe give them like, hey, here's a here's a plug, right? Like, we're gonna we're gonna help you out with. 12 minutes tonight, whatever it might be. Um, so we'll see. I mean, the other part of it too is the team has a lot more intel on how how further along Billy is in his like rehab, yeah, is his reconditioning phase. Maybe he can only handle a hand, whatever the workload is in the AHL. They don't want to, you know, amplify that up with the NHL re injury, whatever it might be, right? Like maybe just keeping him down there for for the meantime might be the best way to go about it. I, th- I think if it was up to me, I would be pretty damn tempted about Angela coming in. I'm not gonna lie, and I, it would be like for me, I would actually put him up with Demello, and I, and give him just be like you know you don't have to give him you know 25 minutes, but it's basically like we're gonna roll three pairs as much as we can here, and you're gonna get a chance on one of the power play units. Like let's let's see what you got. It doesn't have to be the be all end all on however you perform there. Uh, so I like that. That is tempting. I think for me though, I put Chisholm in the lineup, and I think the easy move after that is Dylan Demello, Sandberg, Pionk, and then Chisholm and Nate Schmidt are your your top six. 
And I mean, you have the option, too, at that point to go 11-7 to yeah. get both Chisholm and Stanley into the game. Yeah, for sure. And and for me, it's... If they... Jets come out and announce that Josh Moore... God forbid this happens, but let's just say he's out three weeks. Well, why... Why would you do that? It's just hypothetical. But in that scenario, I would be more than happy to give Hanala that three-week stretch. It's more so just kind of mixing up the pace, too, and having him jump up to the NHL level for one game. I just don't see the necessary value in that as compared to, like, a longer stretch. Now, what do you think they're going to do? I think they'll probably do 70. Hmm... Because the only thing though is like they've I mean Shif- assuming Shifley and Velarde are out again. I don't like do you, I don't know if you want to go eleven. Like you don't you don't have the it'd be one thing I think if everybody was healthy up front. But I think you would just take the would you be worried about the power play units in that scenario or just like the forward group as a whole? Just the forward group as a whole. Just I mean yeah, look, I, the power the power play's got its own issue. I'm not even yeah. <laughs> for for the game against Toronto, it's like We'll worry about that after the All-Star break. But I, I I, think that might be a little... You're asking a little too much out of yeah. the lower part of your forward lineup. I, I, yeah, I, I think that's a move you do if everybody's healthy. And it is tough to scratch a guy after the game they played as a as a unit. Right? Yeah, like it's I, kinda... I think... I think the I think the move is going to be that we see either Chisholm or Stanley come in. I think it's going to be Stanley. I think it's going to be Stanley, too. And I think a lot of people are going to be upset, and I don't disagree with that. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, look, because I said this on, on Winnipeg Sports Talk, and people were getting all mad at me. I'm like, no, I I think Logan Stanley's ninth or 10th on the organizational depth chart. What do the Jets always do in this situation? Big Stan gets first chance. So it's like, I don't think they should. But what do they always do, and why would they change that right now? So... It'd be nice to see Chisholm get the nod over Stanley, but I, 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 I'll be kind of surprised if they do that, to be honest. The one thing I will say quickly before we switch gears to wrap up the episode, I mean, whoever gets in is going to be the, the main focus from the fan base, but let's also not lose sight that Dylan Sandberg deservedly is going to get top four minutes, I imagine, in this next game against Toronto. He was a rock against the Leafs on Thursday. He's been really good all year, and allowing him the opportunity to get 20 minutes would be a pretty significant development as well, because there's a very, very good chance next season he's needed to play 20 minutes with Dylan and DeMello's contract status, Nate Schmidt's cap hit, all that stuff. Like He's earned it, and I think that's pretty neat too, that he's going to get another opportunity to showcase what he can do in an elevated role. Um, assuming that's how everything plays out on Saturday. So we'll keep an eye on it. It'll be the main storyline for the Jets going into that game against uh, Toronto to wrap things up. Uh, quickly, a few minutes before we uh, call it quits on the episode, I do want to talk about the trade deadline and somebody that I thought of uh, that might fit. I mean, at this point, might be a better fit than Brock Nelson now that Patty was in the mix in the <laughs> island, which that sucked. Like that might have officially, that might have killed the Brock Nelson of Winnipeg pipe. Oh there. yeah. Um, but hey, maybe the Jets, maybe the Jets can call on the LA Kings. Oh <laughs> for, man, for a centerman or two. Drew Doughty drops the bomb, but oh boy, Schadenfreude is high in Winnipeg right now because everybody's enjoying 
the semi-collapse of the Kings. And it's it's hard not to point the finger at one... Like, it's crazy. One guy shouldn't completely derail an entire team season. But he has. But this is now three times in four or five years? Three separate locations. Like, it's crazy to think. And I know it's a little more nuanced than that. But man, oh man, the PLD trade to LA continues to be a godsend for the Jets and a poison pill of epic proportions for the Kings. I don't know how the Kings get out of this. Like, this yeah. season and moving forward. it's it's It might end up being one of those all-time crippling trades that we see teams make every now and again that didn't look like it would be anywhere near as bad as it's turned out to be back when the trade was made. Uh, and have you been listening to Tom McClellan's post game and yeah he hates his team (laughs) he he is two games away from flat out saying i hate pl dubois i think he wants to fight someone he it's 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 it is hilarious i'm not even gonna say i don't want to say it's hilarious it is hilarious that a head coach and we're halfway into the season it's not even like it's it's like in the off season that they're talking about it this team was like the hottest everyone was saying Wow, LA is gonna really go on a run this year. They've lost twelve of their last fourteen, and they look awful. They look they, really bad. It's I would love. I need to be a fly on the wall and just see what Dubois doing. Like, what is he doing? That's so insane. That's well, I, yeah. I, well, I don't think he's. I don't think it's you know. I think it's just hate, the way he acts. Yeah, I, like I, I, yeah, I, I hate to say stuff when you don't totally know, but but it just like with how he's playing on the ice, I imagine it's the same off the. He just looks disinterested. Like, you know, I, I just don't care as much as you guys do. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. It, it might just be as simple as that. Where it's like, you know, some hockey players. I mean, at, it's more of like an athlete. Some athletes. Like, it, dream job, love doing it, all that stuff. Other guys, this is my job. I just so happen to be very good at it. Yeah. But it's my job. And I like I, I just don't know if there's the same passion that we see out of other players that, that exists with Dubois. And I mean, like, that's what we saw here in Winnipeg where 20, 30 games, yeah, number one center. Other 50, 3-4 center. That that's just that's what he is at this point in his career. Like he is, people like to throw this on Russian players, but he's an enigma, and he just doesn't bring it every single night. And especially for a guy like Drew Doughty, who quite clearly has the passion, even though he lost it a little bit a few years back when the Kings were in that you know swoon phase. And that, but so- it must drive him crazy to see. I mean, him. It sounds like maybe Kempe and Fiala as well. But these guys that are just like, just cashing in a check and let's head to the beach. And and Dowdy's a guy who's like known for being a goofball too. Like he's not like some some hardo in the locker room that's like like maybe like Nathan McKinnon who's like you gotta stick to your greens every morning. Like he's he's a pretty elkmead arugula. Yeah, <laughs> and for so for him to be like, and he said, I I forget the exact quote, but he mentioned this isn't a cookie party. Or guys just want to get their cookie party and yeah, every... yeah, it's a cookie night. Guys are trying to get their cookie and great, great quote, absolutely great quote from Dowdy. But yeah, like it's 
where's your pride at a certain point? Like, I get being disinterested and not being that 100% committed to the game, but you have people going out there and not only, like, the media and fans saying this, you have people, you have peers who are saying you are, I am, I'm quote-unquote, you're a waste of talent right now. And we've paid you all this money. We, all guys around you are playing hard, and you don't have the time of day. Like this is a this is an indictment on your character. If this is really what's going on, and so at some point it's kind of just got to be like, I don't know where this ends up going. Maybe he ends up in Montreal after all, but I don't think GMs are going to be blowing up the phones like they were maybe a summer or two summers. <laughs> oh <ago>. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I wonder. I wonder if teams are like, oh, we can we can get a stud from LA for cheap here. <laughs> I, I highly doubt that's gonna be the case. What's the website that has the bio? It, it's it's I know it's not Cap Friendly has it, but there's one that has like a bio calculator on it. I wanna look it up quickly. I don't know off the top of my head. I saw I've seen on Twitter people already four months into the PLD contract looking up what the ramifications for a bio would be on Pierre-Luc Dubois. It's, it's wild. And again, Chevy build a statue now because <laughs> the train continues to be an absolute grand slam from the Winnipeg Jets side of things. Uh, quickly speaking of trades, we touched on this in our last episode, the previous week, some non Elias Lindholm trade targets for the Winnipeg Jets. I don't think I mentioned this guy, but now that I'm now now that the Bro- now that Brock Nelson and Erickson X seem to be on life support in regards to trades to Winnipeg, <laughs> um, what about this one? And this I think is still unlikely. Maybe would you be interested in Boone Jenner? Yeah. Now I I would. <laughs> yeah. Well, good. That's good. I'm I'm glad to hear that. I would be interested in Boone Jenner as well. Um, I mean, he does check off a lot of boxes in terms of what the Jets are looking for. Uh, Right now, I mean, 30 years old, three more years left on the contract, $3.75 million cap hit, which is very, very reasonable to work with. You know, on pace for 50-ish points this year, but he's big, physical, responsible, wins a lot of face-offs. I think the production might even go up. I mean, he's not he's not fleet of foot whatsoever, but the production is going to go up playing beside potentially, you know, an Ehlers and or a Connor. Oh, boy. That is... Uh, Tyson just showed me the uh, the buyout for... for well, PLD. actually, I, I mean, I might be doing this incorrectly, but if they were to buy him out in 2024-25, <laughs> which, which is crazy, it would only be two point. Two million against the cap for the next. That's wild. For the next fourteen years, they might have to Bobby Vanilla him. Like they, they might have to find a way to make that. Yeah. Anyways, though, but I, I mean, Boone Jenner does check off a lot. Of, I mean, captain as well of Columbus. That's both a positive from like a locker room standpoint, but also a negative as in why would Columbus trade their captain? But I don't know. Potential, it's 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 not impossible, and it does kind of feel like uh, nobody's mentioned him so far. Chevy, 
you know, move silent like lasagna, whatever the, <laughs> the, the, the wheezy line was. Um, I'd be intrigued by it. I, I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't kick it out of bed in the morning. Yeah, I mean, if we're looking at kind of that second tier, he's probably at the top of that second tier. And he's a guy that, I mean, if people are interested in Sean Monaghan, Boone Jenner does literally everything better than Sean Monaghan. Like yeah, every it's, single it's facet the, of the only reason is just that he's not a, a pending UFA. Right. right? Monaghan is. So that's why it is where it is. But, I mean, sometimes we see teams that have unexpectedly horrendous seasons they're kind of like, should we cash in on somebody now if we can? Well, and, and I, Boone Jenner's having a crazy year production-wise. Yeah, he was injured for a little bit with that. I believe he broke his jaw in a, in a game, so he missed a couple of weeks. But he's been really good for the, the Blue Jackets for the past two years, even. He's shown that he's had the ability to play with top-notch players and still be able to, able to produce with those top-notch players. He'd be, he'd be an unbelievable ad. And he's also a guy that has playoff experience. He's played for a guy like Torts. He's played for teams that have upset number one seeds. Like he's kind of for a guy that's played in Columbus his whole career. He's seen quite a lot. Yeah, I think the only the only thing is just going to be, I mean, he's Mister Blue Jacket right now. Yeah. So it's like, I, I can understand why they wouldn't trade him in terms of like, <laughs> just like goodwill with the right. with the fan base and the franchise and all that. But if he's available, that would be a pretty damn good ad. And, I mean, Columbus is so far out of it that maybe it's something that does happen. Um, as it stands right now, the Islanders, oh, they're not going to trade Brock Nelson. It's not going to happen. They're too close to it. They're tied in points with the Devils right now. One, two, three, four, five. They're two points back. It's not going to happen. Damn it. All right, we're shifting gears to Erickson Eck. I'm back on that train, Tyson. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I don't care what it is. The, the Minnesota's too far out of it. I did see someone mention Nick Schmaltz again. I, I, I don't know if Arizona, like, haven't they done enough selling? Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't. That would be, that would be great. I don't know. Hey, I mean, they, they might be they might be Utah in a couple weeks. The Utah, the they Utah, might be Salt Lake City. The Utah Yotes. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Yeah, it's fair. And I mean, look, all it takes is a six-game losing skid and yeah. curtains on the win streak there. All right. Off Brock Nelson, I'm back on Eric Sinek. I'm going to I'm gonna figure out how this works. Jewel. We're, we're going we're gonna to make a run at this. Brock Faber might be a bridge too far. <laughs> I'm just going to guess on that one. But maybe, maybe Eric Sinek can still, maybe that pipe dream can still happen. Uh, but we'll keep an eye on it. And we're getting closer. January is just about wrapped up, which means... Deadline time is pretty, pretty close here. Uh, so we'll see where things stand when we get back at it next week. And um, when the NHL gets into full swing, kind of unofficially, once February gets underway, it's no longer... It's kind of officially playoff push time at that point. So we'll see where things uh, stand when we get back at it next week. But we'll cap off the episode there. And uh, let's head into the weekend in style, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rowicki, here with CJOB's Tyson Rowicki once again. We'll get back at it early next week, Tuesday morning. Maybe next week will just kind of be like a futures-based episode. We'll talk deadline, we'll talk prospects, we'll talk moose, since the Jets and the rest of the NHL are going to be off with the All-Star break taking place next week. So we'll get to some fun stuff and keep you guys entertained uh, before the final 
36 games take place for the Jets. That's all that's left. Pretty wild to think. Uh, but we'll get into all that uh, next week, and uh, we'll talk to you guys then. Have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy the warm-ass weather. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Let's go. Going to be a great weekend here in the city, so enjoy that. Stay safe and have a great time, everybody. We'll talk to you on Tuesday morning. Peace.